Greetings in the name of Jesus Christ. Welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Madiba. If you happen to be in our area, you are most welcome to visit us. You'll surely feel at home. We appreciate your prayers for our ministry. We hope today's sermon will be edifying to you, your family, and your friends. Welcome. all of you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. How many are happy to be back in the service of the Lord? And last week I know that you had a blessed time on the subject of the absolute. Amen. How many agree that the Lord is our absolute? Amen. Amen. We came along with Bonolo this morning because normally we would leave kids but during the week she asked between church and school, which is more important? Then we lost the debate. That's why she's here. Amen. 
God has got a way to speak to us through uh, our young ones. Amen. Are you with me? Uh, sometimes we are amazed when you get to the airport, there is a queue of social distancing, but as soon as you get onto the plane, you are there packed. Then you wonder, what was the logic behind? So there's quite a lot of things that don't make sense. Amen. There's limitation in terms of the number of people that can come to church, but there is no limitations in terms of the number of people that can visit them all. Amen. Yes, we admit that we are dealing with pandemic, but we know that Satan takes an advantage. So we had much better be awake as well. Amen. So let me not stop. Get there. We've got a Kiarabilui. We've got a baby dedication, if you can take your seat for a while. Uh, bring them in. to the book of St. Mark, the 10th chapter, the 13th verse, he found it written this manner, and they brought young children to him that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Amen. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them, and blessed them. Amen. I like it when it says, Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. This child has got no bitterness, has got no hatred, has got no complex, has got no malice, it's just a child. And for us to enter the kingdom of God, we have to be in the same manner. Amen. If you can come this, that you are dressed like an ambassador. 
Amen. All right. Just a sec. Eh? The mothers are looking. Let's be careful. Yeah. Amen. Let's pray. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, here is the baby, is a bundle of joy. Life comes from you, and life can only be preserved by you. And dear God, these parents thought it very responsible that they should bring this baby to the house of the Lord, that a minister of the gospel should lay hands upon this baby, dear God, for a preservation and for a guidance and for protection and for wisdom. As I pray for the baby, I pray for the parents that may they raise this child in a manner that is befitting for believers so that when he, she cometh of age, she should be able to say, indeed, Christ is my personal Savior. It begins here at the altar. As I say this prayer, I don't know, Satan in this time, he has just gone on the rampage, released all sorts of viruses to to destroy even little ones. But here is a prayer that we are saying over the life of this child. She is an exception by this prayer. May you guide the child. May the pillar of fire be there all the times to protect this baby. In the name of Jesus Christ, I commit her to you. Amen. God bless you. She's already a singer. Amen. God bless you. A round of applause. Let's just stand and then before we go to the reading of the weight, I salute you for being punctual to church. Shall we keep it this way? Amen. Normally, if a president makes an appointment with you for 8 o'clock, we know you won't sleep a night before. Would you sleep? Be thinking, <laughs> if you sleep, then you don't understand how life works. Amen. But early in the morning, you will be dressed and ready and be there to meet a president on time because you respect the office of the president. Amen. I know some people, when you make an appointment with them for a time, 15 minutes after the appointment has elapsed, you don't pitch, they leave because they deem it to be a disrespect. Because if you are held up by traffic, you pick up a call, I will be late. But if you just rock up 30 minutes later, if you wait for a person when you made an appointment and you wait for them for 30 minutes and they have not told you that they are delaying, you are disrespecting yourself. Because you are teaching them that next time they can push you to an hour, next time to two hours. Amen. Time, time communicates self-respect and respect for others. Do we agree that? If an employee comes late at work, what do we do? Do we kiss them on the forehead? What do we do? We speak to them. And if they continue, what do we do? We reduce it in writing. If they continue, what do we do? disciplinary hearing, if they continue what you do, then you fire. It's consequence management. And how many of us would have been fired by God by now? 
May God be merciful for us. Service at Lighthouse Tabernacle, we take it very seriously, especially the church order. Amen. As we get into winter, we're going to shame Satan. We're going to be very early. I was somewhere where they don't have a pastor. Their pastor passed away. They put a new one. Within three months, he as well passed away. But I was quite amazed that in the absence of leadership, but the discipline that was there. Then I said, sometimes it speaks about, you know, when you've got a good employee, a good employee doesn't need boss. A good employee is guided by their own personal value system. A good believer does not need to be checked on. Why? It's because it's their DNA to be a believer. Uh, we do we agree? Amen. Let's, let's just sing a song and get to the reading of the words. Amen. <clears throat> And God bless you, musicians, as we turn to the book of First Corinthians. Amen. Or maybe before First Corinthians. <clears throat> maybe Brother Flesh the scripture there for me, where he says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of wisdom, declaring unto thee the testimony of God. That's First Corinthians, the second chapter, from the first verse. Shall we read it together? And I, brethren, 
when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weaknesses and in fear and in much trembling. As we bow our heads, the gracious Heavenly Father, we are reporting for duty this morning. May you be gracious to us. We pray for every brother and every sister this morning, those that were able to make it and even those that couldn't make it. May the grace of God apply upon them. Dear God, as we approach the holy desk this morning, where the holy word will be declared, be gracious, dear God, that we understand the gravity of the moment, that we understand the juncture at which we are at, that we understand, dear God, that there is just about to be a roll call, and we are here for the preparation to be able to make it onto that roll call. Where would we be had it not been of your grace? Who would we be had it not been of your weight? Those questions, they keep on lingering in our minds because we know we would have absolutely amounted to nothing had it not been of your grace. This morning, we are just a bunch of nobodies, absolutely with nothing to present to you, but dear God, by your grace, you took the nobodies of this world and made them somebodies. And for that, we want to appreciate you. May you minister to every heart this morning. Maybe if there are those that are sick and afflicted, Dear God, I've seen you, especially this week, where you have been able to make people to be discharged from hospitals. I've seen you doing interventions that were beyond medical comprehension, where we have been told that if an elderly person is admitted, they die because of underlying conditions. But dear God, I've seen you defying that making them walk out of the hospitals to praise God just to show that you are the God who is sovereign, dear God. I've seen you granting jobs in the midst of a bleak economy because you want to prove that you are a Jehovah Jireh. I've seen you restoring marriages in the midst of difficulty because, dear God, you are a protector. There are so many deeds that can be presented this morning. And I believe from each city this morning, everyone can say, I have an experience of what God has done in my corner. Because, Lord, whenever you do things, you go all the way. Abraham went to the uttermost. You went to the uttermost to get us and to be who we are this morning. That is why we are not ashamed. We will scream your name at the rooftops. We will scream your names at the workplaces. 
We will praise you among our relatives. We will praise you among the scoffers because there is indeed no God like our God. A healer, a way maker. Dear God, a one that brings a blessing on daily basis. You are a God, dear God. There is none like you. And this morning we don't regret to be in the house of God. We are in a zone of safety. We are in a zone of blessing. We are in a zone of empowerment. We are in a zone of transformation. We came to the right place. And when we live here, we'll be rejoicing in our hearts and say, indeed, God is God. Even for one time, he had to say, God is God. One time, the Pope will say, God is God. Herod had to say, God is God. Even Satan will say, God is God. Because you are the almighty God. We appreciate you, dear God, as we commit everything to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. I'll bless you as you take your seats. Amen. We are very much happy. Brother Joseph Latola has been promoted to glory. And then... I received a text this uh, during the week from Sister Valerie, uh, his wife, and she was just appreciating of how when they were last time here, how we treated Brother Joseph Latola. And, you know, somebody says people will forget about what you said to them People will forget what you have done for them, but people will never forget how you made them feel. Uh, do you agree with that? Amen. Now, whenever ministers come our way, we try the best that we can to make them feel special. And making a minister to feel special, it has nothing to do with money. We are not a rich church. We scratch the bottom of the pot all the time. But to make a minister feel that what they are doing is worthwhile as a contribution to the body ministry. I think you have realized here when ministers preach, we are not selective. In some churches, if this one preaches, there are amens. If that one preaches, there are no amens. Not in this church. In this church, we recognize God and embrace God however way he comes. If he comes wearing a suit, he is God. If he comes wearing an overall, he is God. Are you with me? And that has made uh, ministers to feel, because a church develops a reputation. If you mistreat ministers, ministers will talk among themselves that no matter what, don't go there. And if you treat them right, they will speak that we are well treated and well respected and loved when we go there. Amen. So we want to appreciate you. We seem to have lost quite a lot of ministers in recent times. Within a very short period of time and good ministers that were never caught into isms 
or that never had a reputational crisis, meaning, meaning that were loyal to their call as ministers of the gospel. And may God continue to comfort their families. And for us that are remaining behind, the burden is too much because you have to make sure that those people where they have left the relay, you don't drop the baton as you move forward. I think it was Brother Godwin Chitsini the other time we were talking. He says, when God has granted you additional days, either you can use them to glorify God or to bring a shame to the name of Jesus Christ. So with additional days that we have been granted, may we bring more glory to the name of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen on that? Uh, you, can, you can't survive a pandemic and live carelessly. You can't survive a pandemic and live a life that lacks a gratitude towards God. You can't survive a pandemic to just to disrespect the body of Christ. You, you survive to appreciate and to be able to bring a more meaningful contribution to the body of Christ. Amen. This morning I want to speak on the subject would be, or the title would be, A Beauty of a Flaw. A Beauty of a Flaw. And the subtitle would be, Perfect Strength by Perfect Weaknesses. The Beauty of a Flaw. <clears throat> and then the subtitle will be, or the a subject will be perfect strength or the inspiration is one, some would call it perfect strength by perfect weaknesses. Amen. You'll bear with me. I'm used to preaching to a screen these days. Amen. You know, when you preach virtually, you just preach to a screen. So I have managed to, to survive that. Amen. <clears throat> now, before we get to the Today is the 28th of February. It is a special day on the message calendar because on this day, seven angels were lowered and dropped the message from at loud. And ever since that time, we've been downloading messages from that loud. I've been working on uh, uh, trying to clean up my computer and by mistake, I deleted almost everything, trying to free up the space. And I realized that I lost a very critical template that I'd been working on for quite some time. And I was quite, I say, it took me a while to work on those templates. But now, while I was frustrated that what am I going to do? Must I start again? What is going to happen? I switched to off the computer and switch on the computer. They were still not there. And I went to the application that I was working on those templates on. And all of a sudden, by a miracle, I saw that everything was back. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Now, while I was shocked, then I wondered that what actually happened. Then I realized that although I had lost them on my machine, but they were stored on that loud. So as I switched on the machine, 
they were downloaded from the cloud back to my computer. Then I realized that, goodness, even if they were to bend down Voice of God recordings, and we don't have spoken words or we don't have tapes, but we can be able to download from... Come on, believers. You can download from the cloud. Amen. Seven angels were lowered from eternity to bring this message. This message, as time goes by, people think it's foolishness to believe this message. As people improve and get better, they begin to undermine and look down on this message. But let me tell you, this message is life itself. There is no better alternative in the end time except the message of the hour. How many agree with that? Amen. Now, in this text that we read, Paul says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, I came not with the excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you. This morning, our desire should be that we need not to know anything among us except one thing, save Jesus Christ. You are not interested where I've been to. You are not interested in my abilities or my knowledge. This morning, you are interested in one thing, Jesus Christ. Not the excellency of the speech, but the central point of our gathering is Jesus Christ. Do we agree on that? And him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Now, to get, you know, for Paul to say, I was, or maybe brother, bring this quotation in perfect strength by perfect weakness, paragraph 87 And let's get to the background. As we move from 87 to 89, it is the message that I'm going to dwell much on. Brother Brenham says, when he speaks about the words of Paul, he says, I am determined to know nothing about your abilities. I know that there is nothing in you, and I'm only determined to know one thing, that I see in you, that's Jesus Christ and him crucified. The crucified Savior among you, that's all I'm going to recognize. 89. It says, could you imagine a man, a Pharisee of Pharisees, a teacher of the teachers, a man that was trained from childhood for the ministry to be an eloquent man that was smart and brilliant to come before a class of people like the Corinthians and say, I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. A man who turned the world upside down, the greatest missionary that's ever been being known, confessed that he has come in weakness. Not as a trained scholar, but in the weakness and in fear, lest he could step off the path somewhere. In much trembling, because he could not trust in his own ability. 
The reason he was fearing, not because he was scared of anything, but he was scared he would displease God in some way that he would get his own ability mixed up into it. Something that he had learned. He was telling them that I didn't come to you with this excellency of speech. I come to you in fear that I will come that way. But I come to you knowing nothing but Christ and him, the crucified. Folks, maybe to get a background of before he spoke this way, let's come to the Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1. It reads in this manner, or Second Corinthians rather, Chapter 12, verse 1. Here's somewhere where we are going. He says, it is not expedient for me, doubtless it is glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago. Whether in the body I cannot tell, whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth. Such an one caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth. How that he was caught up into paradise and had unspeakable ways, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such an one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. For though I would desire, you see, now he is taking a turn. Imagine this man was caught up in the third heaven. This man came out of the body and went to witness the things that it was even unlawful for a man to utter. After he came with the abundancy of revelation, I mean, if one was to caught up in the third heaven, goodness, convention after convention would invite such a speaker. Isn't such a case? That this brother speaks from a personal experience. He was out of the body. He knows what he's talking about. This brother, until such time, he will be elevated to a certain position even within the body of Christ, that he is a special brother. Are you still with me? But now look at the man, a man of such a caliber, when it comes to the revelations of God. Look how he takes a turn, so that the people should not glorify him, they should glorify God. You know, Brother Brown said, the greatest gift in life is to be able to set you, yourself aside so that God can use you. A lot of times we advance ourselves, our abilities, our knowledge. Let me tell you something. They mean nothing in the economy of God. That's why you have to step aside so that God can use you. And once God has used a man, we don't glorify a man. We glorify God. Are you still with me? Now, he takes a sharp turn now. It says, verse 5, of such and one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. For thou I would desire to glory, I would desire to praise myself. 
yet of myself I will not glory. Uh, for though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth. But now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. You see where it's going. And lest I, and lest I should be exalted above measure, through the abundancy of the revelation. These revelations must not elevate me above measure. Are you still with me? There was given to me a thorn in the flesh. The messenger of Satan to buffet me. Lest I should be exalted above measure. He says, although I ventured into the third world, uh, to the third heaven... But here there is a messenger of Satan that has become a thorn in my flesh. Brethren, you are a great man of God. That's so heaven. But here is a messenger of Satan that you cannot overcome. Are you with me, brethren? I believe one would have said, this one keep it a secret. Let's concentrate on revelations, but this one that I've got a problem, don't bring it. Because a human being does not want to present their vulnerability. Yes. We want to be superheroes. Are you still with me? Because when you become a superhero, you can't glorify God. God can only be glorified in our vulnerabilities. God can only, you can only testify about God when you say, oh, I tried this and that. It never worked until God came my way. Because God does not share a glory with any man. Let's follow it. Now, he says, verse 8, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. Brethren, this man goes to the third heaven, comes back. He's the messenger. This man, to an extent, he had power to bind demons. But here is a demon that is bothering him. That he can't do anything. He has asked for the Lord three times to remove it. But God said, I will not remove it. Because this thing will humble you in your revelations. And when we go and check, we find that it was partial, uh, uh, he was partially blind. It was partial blindness. Yes. Are you still with me? Yes. So that people, although they see he speaks or preaches great things, but they must be able to know that there is a human side because of this infirmity. Are you still with me? God will take you higher, but he will reveal your human side. I hope we are together this morning. Brother, let's go back to our book, or maybe before we get there. I said I want to speak about a, a, a beauty or a, of a flaw. A flaw, the dictionary says, is a feature that mars the perfection of something. A flaw is like a scra scratch on your motor, motor car. A scratch is like a crack on your building. A scratch is like a torn part on your dress. It's, it's something that, although you've got this perfect thing, but instead of now embracing its perfection, 
then you've got a bat. It is a beautiful house, but it's a beautiful bat. He's a great person, but so the bat brings the flow into the picture. Now it's quite an oxymoronic that we would say a beauty of a flow because normally there is nothing beautiful about a flow to a natural eye. Are you still with me? But for us to understand the context, let us go back to when Michelangelo was busy constructing that sculptor. As he was busy with his chisel and hammer, and he took hours and hours and hours molding and shaping this sculptor, as he was coming up until where that sculptor stood in front of him, Brother Bram says that inspiration became so vivid before him. It was the sculptor of Moses. Then when he looked at the sculptor, he saw exactly what people thought of Moses or what people had seen when they looked at Moses. Now, in the midst of a disparation, he took a hammer and hit that uh, sculptor on the knee and said, Speak! Now, because now, that uh, on the furrow of that sculpture now it was broken it looked like a like a flaw so every time people will say this is a beautiful sculpture but here he damaged it now brother Brenham says actually what made the sculpture to be beautiful it was the flaw because the flaw served as an evidence that this was almost to perfection like Moses until a man was persuaded that it could speak. Are you still with me? Now, even today, when you go and check, and as a tourist, they always take you through that. They call it a legend to them. They will always speak about that flow. Now, if we remember, there was a beautiful body that hung on the cross. Are you still with me? This body, in that body, there was the power of God. In that body, it was God himself. And that body hung on the cross. But here is something. The beauty of the flaw is that there was a Roman soldier who took a spear and pierced by the sight of that body. And what made the body beautiful was that flaw this morning. Folks, if Jesus could have come and turned water into wine and died, he would have never been remembered. He would have faded out of the pages of the Bible. If Jesus could have come and rose Lazarus from the dead, he would have faded out of the pages of the Bible if that's all he could have done. But what made Jesus Christ to stand out of the pages of the Bible is because he went to Golgotha. And he was pierced by his side. And a church came by his side. And today, you are the product of that flaw. Because you came out of his side. A flaw can be beautiful. Are you still with me? Brother says to me, the flaw was what made it the masterpiece. But let's come home to your doorstep this morning. Let's go back, brother, in the message, perfect strength by perfect weakness. I'll be on that for a while. Paragraph 42. Brother Brown says, 
We try to make our weaknesses excuses. Oh, brother, how many times we wanted to do things, but we made our weaknesses an excuse. My weakness, I can't speak eloquently. Therefore, I will not speak. My weakness, uh, there's a lot of weaknesses that we have presented in our lives as excuses. Brother Brenham says now, we want to tell, we want to tell how big we are and how great we are. That's why I say a human being is good at hiding weaknesses and are not acknowledging them. 43, brother. He says, there's little things that we do and that's what we come to church for, is to find out where our fault is. This is where we need to understand our coming to church is not to show you how better I am. It's not to show you how holy I am. I came here as an acknowledgement of my imperfection. Come on, church. Are you here? I, I, want to, I want to rip apart the church facade. You are here because you are imperfect. Don't look at the drunkard that visited church. I'm referring to you. Message believer. You are here in church because you are imperfect. Are you still with me? Don't look at the next person. I'm referring to the person that is sitting on your chair. That person is not perfect. That's why he came here. Your presence is an evidence that you are not perfect. I'm sorry I'm going to set a cat among pigeons this morning. That's what we come to church for. Is to find out where our fault is. And how do you find your fault? You look at the mirror of the weight. And do an introspection. What I've been through the week. What I've said during the week. What I've thought during the week. And if there is any margin of error, Lord, be merciful. Am am I correct, folks? And the things that we might, and the things that we might better ourselves by. I came here because when I walk out of church, I want to be better. I was worse when I came, but when I go away, I want to be better. Never be a Christian that comes to church week in and week out and remain the same. Stagnant water stings. If we come to church for any other objective than this, I'm afraid we won't get too much out of coming to church. I heard a young person that said, Oh, during lockdown, I miss church. I want to go to church. And they ask, what do you want to go to church for? He says, I've got clothes that I'm not wearing. And I'm afraid that they will go out of fashion. Come on, I'm preaching here, folks. I say, I'm going to come to your doorstep. 
What are you here for this morning? Is it a fashion parade or is it to get closer to your maker? I have a serious questions that must be answered. Are you with me? We must come. Listen, we must come to find our weaknesses. Brother, why am I in church? I'm here to find my weakness. Sister, why are you in church? I'm here to find my weakness. And once it is found and identified, I intend to become better on that. Why? You are a clay in the hands of the porter. I'm here to be shaped in any way that the porter sees his feet. I'm here to be chiseled until the image comes out perfect. And if he uses a minister, let it be a case. Are you still here, brethren? I would refuse to go to church and the minister doesn't talk about me. I want to be on the agenda. I want to know that God th- what, what God thought of me. I want to know what God wants me to fix. Are you with me? We must come to find our weaknesses. Find our bad places. I know this such a someone makes people very uncomfortable. But go and read in the message, what doest thou here, Elijah? Brother Brenham says, if you ever get to a place where you've got, you think you've got nothing to repent of, you are worse than a sinner in the streets. Paul says, I repent daily because I look into the mirror of the way daily. And I make adjustment based on what I see in the mirror of the way. Folks, let me tell you something. You are imperfect and no one must use your imperfection against you. Own your imperfection and commit your imperfection to God. Say, brother, I told God about it. You know why it's difficult for a message believer to confide in a message believer? It's because we have traded falsified images. Here is a minister of the gospel. He says, I'm fearful. How many ministers can come behind the pulpit and say, brethren, I'm fearful. William Brenham comes, says, I had to pray for a baby, but nothing worked. Then I realized I told a lie. You didn't go to Brenham Tabernacle and fish it. He came and told you that I, the prophet messenger, pillar of fire over me, I spoke a lie. But you, no pillar of fire, you want to be a superhero. We are here to acknowledge our imperfections. We are here to say, where God, work on our imperfections. But remember, when the two guys went to pray, Jesus speaks about them. It was a tax collector and a sinner. And a sinner comes before God and says, Lord, forgive me. And a tax collector says, I pay tax, I pay my tithes, I go to church. And Jesus says, a sinner was answered. Brother Mim says, 
we come here, we must come to find our weaknesses, find our bad, our bad places. See how little we are. And put our trust in somebody that's stronger. Somebody, you see somebody there is in capital letter S. It doesn't refer to a pastor, a deacon, an elder. It refers to somebody. A singular, Jesus Christ. When we come, the focus is not on the pastor. No, sir. Pastors have died. And pastors are dying. And I will die one day. You will have a memorial service over me. I will be gone. So if you worship me, your God will be dead. But here I'm introducing somebody that will be there even when Madiba is dead. Jesus Christ. He should be our focus. All of us, including you, your pastor this morning, we are little. I say we are little. I can't pay a superman. Bushiru was here, he ran away. He is now in Malawi. He wanted to escape Malawi into Kenya because his daughter is sick. You see, this, now he is confronted with a real challenge. This is not a gimmick. This is not Pretoria show grounds. The daughter is sick. Not a staged disease. Real sick. He needs a divine healer. Brother, there are times to act, but there are times to be serious about what we are talking about. And the man must be serious about what he's talking about now. God will bring you to that moment of a realization. Brother, I don't play church. I need God now. Brother, I'm not here to impress you. I need God now. Brother, I don't care who says what. I repent now. I don't care who says that. I need to make it right with God now. God will bring you to that realization. There are times to act. There are times to impress one another. There are times to maintain an image. But there are times when images are ripped apart. Where you will become disparate for God. Ram would know. There will be people that come, rich people with, oh, a top tier of Discovery medical aid. Yeah. But the doctor will look at the person and say, there isn't much that we can do. Yeah. Yes. yes, oncologists are there. They have even brought you at that hospital with a helicopter yeah. to tell you that after the helicopter trip, we can't do anything. Yeah. That's when you realize, doctor, so-and-so means nothing. Especially so-and-so means nothing. There is a creator of cells. That's when you call him on the scene. And God has a way to bring us to that realization. Somebody who's strong. Our trust is not in the pastor. Not in the deacons. It's not in the trustees. It's not in the message church. It's in Christ. Forty-four, brother. It says, 
Then so many of us likes to testify or likes to think that we are insufficient. And therefore, we make that an excuse. I have no education. I have no ability. I'm unable to do this. Has it ever occurred to you? I always get amazed how one would be invited for a job interview and spend the whole night how they think that they're not the ones that must be hired and get into a taxi to think how they should not be hired and get, I mean, if you, they don't see a potential why you should not be hired, where would they call you? And, and if you keep, keep that up and do that in that way and keep going like that, then you can't amount to anything. If you keep, embrace, acknowledge, acknowledge a weakness, but don't be a weakness. Work on it. Overcome it. Are, are you with me? And the very, listen now, your prophet messenger. And the very thing that you make excuses by our weaknesses, God uses that very thing to tackle the job with. Mm. Can you imagine, in all fairness, don't you think that God could have had a better prophet messenger in the end time than William Branham? Don't you think that there were better abled people with better credentials that could have done a much better job according to the people than William Brennan? Yeah. Why would he God in this age of mo- in the modern era, why would God go to what do you call them? Hilly Billy? What do you call them? The rural people in America. Theory they spoken with. Is it a hilly billy? Hilly billy. Is it the right one? Yeah? A hill billy. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a rural person, ignorant person. Why would God choose such a person in this generation? Bringing from obscurity where he comes. The first thing that he says to people, uh, be, be, look, I'm not much of a preacher, my father is a, was a drunkard. We, the Branhams, we are not religious people. We, we drink moonshine. A cheap liquor in America, not a whiskey, is mbamba according to the American standards. <laughs> a traditional beer. God picks up such a person with undesirable Hallelujah. background. A man that comes, he can't put his tenses together. We don't know whether it's present tense or past tense. He breaks the grammar. But God overlooks the weaknesses and takes the very thing to achieve the job with. Why did God make it that way? He wanted to make everyone in the message to have confidence. Although I don't come from a church background, I'm like a messenger. Although I'm not educated, I'm like the messenger. God went down to the lowest so that the lowest can identify with him. 
Imagine if the spoken words were eloquent and grammar was right. We were going to say no one must preach to us unless they speak better English. Brother, you don't speak the English that the prophet spoke. So God allowed him to break it. That every preacher will come and be embraced. Brahman says, God uses that very thing to tackle the job with. He waits for us to get to that condition so that he can use us. We take the excuse and say, well, I'm, I can't do this, I'm insufficient. I can't do it. God takes that very thing to do the job with. That's true. Paragraph 51. Instead, of trying to be great, we ought to be trying to find out how little we can get. (laughs) Hallelujah. This morning we need to compete about how to find how little we can have. And actually me preaching to you, I must be even more little than the rest of you. I must be little. Because he that is little is the one that will serve. God's work, God's laws work in reverse. But when people gather, we want to compete. Who's the greatest? We want to look who's the humblest. Because humility attracts God. I see we live during a generation where even young ministers would preach. And immediately after they preached, they would post on social media, yo, I just had a powerful service. Who told you? I mean, who, who told you? You were preaching. You know you're the one that said you had a powerful service. Hmm? Lack of humility. Superman mentality. Are you with me? 52, brother. And notice that it takes the weakest and the rejected and practically every hero God ever had on the front line was that type of a person. Weak and rejected. A person that was rejected A person that thought he was insufficient. A person that had no ability at all. Then that's the person just in good shape so that God can start using him. It's when they feel like that that they can't. They haven't got nothing. That's when God can take a hold of them and do something with them. But when we are thinking that we are able to do it, then God can use us because we are wanting to do it ourselves. And if we do it ourselves, we're going to praise ourselves. Then God moves out of the picture. It reminds me of a brother that brought a prayer request to church. And this brother's car was stolen. It was a Toyota Venture in Soweto. And he was using it. It was a means of income for him. Now he was lost. He came to the prayer meeting submitted a prayer request, 
And the prayer, they pray, the saints gathered and prayed, Lord, restore the cow for our brother. It is his means of income. Oh, Lord, until later, the next day, the cow was found in the middle of nowhere. After it was found, then the brother started speaking to the brother and says, I knew it would be found because it has this device. Then I say, if the brother relied on his device, why did he bring the method before God? You should have just said, don't pray, I've got a device. Do you see, do you see how a human being is like? When it was gone, we were praying. You never told us about a device. When it is found, you've got a device. Are you going to fool God? God will never show his, his glory with any man. Are you with me? Oh, pray for me. I've got a job interview. Oh, I don't know. I know. We've got, it's about 100 people. And after you were selected and hired, no thanksgiving. We only see with maybe a WhatsApp or a Facebook. I was the only one selected. I knew my masters will make it. Why did we pray about it? Gratitude. Brampana preached about gratitude. Is dwindling in the end time because men have replaced God and women have replaced God. They want to be a superhero in their story. Amen. Gone are those days where people will come and just even thank God just to have that I had a meal. I thank God. Gone are those days. The generation that is coming up is a generation that has got no... Let me tell you, to avoid you being admitted into the hospital today, when you do anything for anyone, don't expect a thank you. Do it for yourself and your God. Don't expect anything. If you're going to wait that ah, they must take, they will not thank you. They'll even blame you. That had you not given me that help, I could have been far. It delayed me your help. That's this generation. No thanksgiving. No, no ability to say thank you. It's demand, it's demand. If you give them a house, no, I need to guess. If you don't make electricity, I need you to buy me food. Never a moment to say, I thank you. A generation that bends bridges faster than anything else. Am I talking here, folks? You find them trapped in a ditch, you take them out. As soon as they're out, they blame you that you are making me dirty. But you were in the ditch. No, I was still thinking how I'm going to get myself out before you came. Don't you, don't you think you, you rescued me? This generation. But the older generation will thank you and say, I appreciate you. I almost died in this ditch. But you took me out. I appreciate May you do so to others. But this one they will tell you, don't think you are clever going around looking for people in the ditches. And don't even tell people that you took me out of the ditch. Our generation. Pulpits have got no thanksgiving items anymore. I get a job, I move on. 
I get this, I move. No time to come, brethren. I want to thank God. It was by the grace of no more. Brother Brenham continues. We are on 53. Then the other side, we get these feelings and we think then that we are insufficient and we don't want to do it. Then if we just listen to the call of God, that's the very thing that God wants us to get into that kind of a shape so he can. Paragraph 54. When we are insufficient ourselves, then we are subject to yield to God's spirit. Folks, as a pastor, many a times where I had gray hairs as a pastor is when I attempted to do something in my own way. That created a ripple effect. In a sense, a vicious cycle. You try to solve this your own way, it creates a problem. Until I realize you've got to go back to the spoken word and do it according to the spoken word. It never creates any vicious cycle. Then it says, as long as we think that we can do it, then we can't do it. But when we get to a place where we know we can't do it, then we yield ourselves to God and he does it. So then if it's us trying to do it, it will fail. But if we'll just yield ourselves to God, then God can't fail. There is only one thing that God cannot do, and that's faith. He can do anything else but faith, but he cannot fail. So as long as we are, trying to, we are trying in ourselves and depending on our own abilities and so forth, we'll do nothing. But when we get to a place where we know we are nothing, then God can use us. 56. Then it says, the most important thing, one of the most important things that we must master. Now remember this, especially you young preachers and lay members alike. There's one thing that we've got to master if we expect to fulfill God's desire in our life. That is, we have to master the thought of human ability. If we ever get to a spot where we think that we can do it with our own intelligence and our own abilities, We've got to master that in such a way that we can get rid of the thing and lay it aside so that God can use us. Look, uh, look at how when he called Moses. I mean, when he called Moses, Moses was not such a great orator. Moses had an education from Egypt, and that education, maybe somebody can say, it could have been a bridging gap from Moses being unable to speak to him going to Egypt. But God takes Moses out, he puts him in 40 years in the wilderness, and wiped out everything about Egypt. 
If we were, as human beings, we would have sat down with Moses and said, you understand the protocol. You understand how to speak to Pharaoh. You've got connections. Can we work with you? God did not want anything that Moses had known from Egypt. He said, I want to wipe it out so that it must be me and me alone using you. And God will wipe those things from us. Brahman says, 57, and make a complete surrender. We cannot, use, you, we cannot use one ability. We've got to make a complete surrender. And to come to God, you've got to, to surrender to him both soul, body, and spirit. And everything that you are has to be surrendered to God in order so that he can work his will in you and in me. Are you with me? And if it is him that is doing that, that means it's him that will be glorified. I hope you are still with me. Verse 70, paragraph 70. We got to get away from that. That human ability. We got to get to a place where we can surrender our souls and lives even to the housewife, to the farmer, to the mechanic, whoever we are. We got to surrender completely to God and know that we are nothing. Then let God start from there. Then he starts moving and working. That includes all of us and everyone. The thing that we got to do. 79, brother. He says, now, somebody can become one of his people. God can use them if they are ready to forget that they are somebody. <laughs> are you still with me? Yes. Brethren, God, how many, I, 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 there's a young man that is quite an eloquent speaker. Uh, his name is Vosi Tembakwayo. He speaks very well. Absolutely mind-blowing. He's got a way with people. But sometimes was one will look at such an individual and say, maybe if he comes into the message, you know that you can become a very great orator in the world and come to the message and not be a preacher. Uh, are you here? It's not the ability to speak. It's when you are foreordained for that. Because God doesn't depend on the ability. Moses, he became the greatest prophet of all of them. But yet he couldn't speak. Are you still with me? He says, God can use them if they are ready to forget that they are a somebody. If you are ready to forget that you are a somebody and become a nobody. Oh, God has got a way to bring people out of obscurity. When Israel and the Philistines were at loggerheads, the solution was not with the Israel, Israel, Israeli militia. The, the solution was with the boy that had no military background. David came from nowhere. Not known, but right there, he won the battle. And today, you may be somebody that the people deem to be nobody. But when God is on your side, God can defy the law of nature. To bring you to a point where until you glorify God. No wonder, brethren, when this economy collapsed, I was not worried at all. I knew that God is in charge. Here is a brother, he phoned me the very day that he lost a job. is the very day that he got a job. 
How do you explain that? How do you explain that he moves somewhere? They've told him that we don't need you anymore. It's done. He moves out. On his way, he meets a person. And the person says, how are you? Say, I just lost a job. Says, but I can hire you. Come and start tomorrow. He gives me a call and says, I'm working tomorrow. Why, brother? Nine million people out of job. But here is a brother. He could have said, I'm a foreigner. I don't have the credentials of the... It does not matter. God will break the protocol to elevate his children. Are you still with me? Don't help God. He doesn't need our help. I say God does not need our help. He will perform what he said he will perform. Have faith in God. Not in your ability, not in your intelligence. Have faith in God. There's an older sister that is very close to me. She was in Medi Clinic in Nelspreid. With all underlying conditions that you may think of. Admitted, had been there for a long time. And they gave me a call and said the sister is now in a bad shape. The family were even gathering because they could see that now they needed to be prepared for any eventuality as a family. And the way doctors were deciding to move her to put her on the, on the ventilator. There's oxygen machine and there's ventilator. Ventilators advanced. Now they were just waiting for one daughter to come and sign the papers. This is an aged woman. She's going for pension in April. They are preparing to move her onto the ventilator. Chances are bleak. Even doctors couldn't assure them of anything. And they made a call that let's pray. We prayed. And said, Lord, what touched me is that in her senior years, she had adopted, if not two, it must have been four children that she adopted from the streets that she's taking care of. Now I asked her, said, where are the children? They said, they're around. And we're worried if she goes, what's going to happen to the adopted children? Oh, we prayed. She said, Lord, you, you know, you remember last time when I was here, I said, we go to God with mitigation factors. We search in your life good stuff that we can tell God about you. Imagine if we just find disrespect, arrogancy, undermining. What are we going to say? That's when people say, let that will happen. <laughs> but when we extract good stuff, we said, Lord, this woman has got a good heart. This woman is taking care of children that are not her own. May you intervene, God. You are the God. You are the God of the universe. She's home perfectly well now. I said she's home perfectly well. Doctors cannot take glory. Pastor cannot take glory. God. Are you still with me? 
rather 149. This one you jump to the ever-present water from the rock. Paragraph 149, ever-present, ever-present water from the rock. He says, and when we die, our souls will go under the altar of God, where I was privileged to see a few mornings ago. You know, isn't it amazing that that morning, William Brenham is lying on the bed with his wife, but William Brenham is with his second wife, but William Brenham is walking on the other side with his first wife. Yes, Lord. At the same time. Oh, yes. <laughs> At the same time. Yes. He left the body on the bed while the body was next to Stamida and said, I looked at the body. And uh, turned around and said, there was Sharon Rose. There was my first wife. William Brenham in, in two worlds at the same time. So we, we understand what we are preaching about. Are you still with me? I hope no one steals it for polygamy. They were in worlds apart. Two worlds. Amen. You know, Satan wants to take advantage. You heard the pastor say it. Paragraph 149. And when we die, our souls will go under the altar of God. Isn't that amazing? You know, I listened to Brother Joseph Latola preaching. And I felt very honored. He's a man that preached around the world. Many conventions. But I said, God, we were blessed that you took our own little convention in Malatlin and made it the climax of his own ministry where he spoke to comfort people about his death three years before it could happen. Do you remember, folks? When we die, our souls will go. It must be blessed on the other side, Brother Babe, Sister Eunice, Brother Joseph Latola, Brother Twine. Oh, goodness. Many, many veterans, Pastor Honyani, many veterans that have gone on. What a jubilant time on the other side. Amen. And when we die, our souls will go under the altar of God, where I was privileged to see a few mornings ago. As you know in the vision, when the Bible speaks of, our spirits will go to God to give it, and our bodies shall return to the dust of the earth, but someday, when the scripture is fulfilled, and our spirits will be released from God, and will pick up the soul, and the soul to the body, and the power that and the power that will raise us up is right in us now. Did you see that statement? It says we. The body, your soul will come and pick up your body. Your theophany will come and pick up your terrestrial body and you will be alive again. He says, that power, that will make that, it's already in you now. 
We are now in heavenly places. We are now in the power of the resurrection. 150. If there wasn't a law to that, sons and daughters of God would create them a world out here and go live in a private life on it. We have a power to speak the world into existence and go and live on it. But remember, Brother Bram says every verse in the Bible has got a compound meaning. And every quotation in the, in the message has got a compound meaning. If we can speak the new world out there and go and live our private life on it, I believe right now we can speak our Goshen in this Egypt. Yes, sir. And go and live in our Goshen right here. Oh, yes. And live next to the people of the world but not be bothered by their problems. Until they say, why do you live? Don't you know this is happening? You say, I'm around, but the problem is that there is a pillar of fire that protects me. Sisters, hear me out. In the mess, we live in the world, in a country where it's almost a capital city of rape in the world. But none of our sisters will be touched. Oh, folks, I know what I'm talking about. I say none of them will be touched. Because wherever they go, the pillar of fire is there. But you will read about states every day. But don't get anxiety. Just know God is in charge. Our children will go to school, no bad report. Even when they don't respect God, but out of the respect of the testimony of the mother and father, that child is protected. Billy Paul, he says, no, I'm done. I'm taking this route, I'm done. Brother Brent said, Billy Paul, I claim you under the token. Are you, are you here, people? Yes, Our children cannot just go and we lose them. No, sir. We have the author. We are nobodies who believe in somebody and we can claim them under the token. Say, so that's my boy. That's my girl. Under the token, I claim them. And wherever they are, they think they can go wayward. But there is a certain power that pins them down. The boy proposes, they just look at the boy, the boy just turns into a monster and right front. Well, the other girl says, she is handsome, and they just look at the monster. That's our God. Comes to propose to you again that day, God just kisses the boy with bad breath. Why? Because there is a mother somewhere kneeling and saying, I claim my daughter. Our God can do paradoxical things. Church, I say our God can do paradoxical things. Our God will go to the uttermost. Proverbs of God will bankrupt the heavens before he allows his way to fail. You have the power in you to do it. You've got a shadow of the power of God in you. You've got a power to do it. God is omnipotent. See what I mean? The power that's in you will, the power that's in you will make. You could speak a world into existence and go and live on it. Hallelujah. There you are. God bless you, Rich Church.
as we stand to our feet. Can we just say, he has done great things. He has done great things. How many agree in the building? How many agree he has done great things? How how many can wave to him? Say you have done it Lord one more time. You will do it once again. He says I have glorified my name and I will glorify it again. Bless the Lord. Oh my soul.
as we close our eyes for your word of prayer, Amen. our dear Lord Jesus Christ, we want to thank you, Heavenly Father, during this afternoon, Lord. Mm. Master, you have spoken unto us, Lord mm. Jesus Christ. It was a heart-to-heart -heart talk, Lord. We are so thankful, Lord Jesus Christ, during this afternoon, Lord, mm. to come and hear such, O oh Father, that we have heard, O oh Lord. Mm. We thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, that Heavenly Father, you are a God, Lord Jesus Christ, that can make something out of a nothing, Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, you can take Heavenly Father us as a clay, you break us and mold us unto your perfect will, according to your perfect will, Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful, Lord Jesus Christ, that Master, when you speak like this, Lord, it was a cleansing in our hearts, Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, it's the only way you can be molded unto the stage of a perfect man, Lord. We know, Lord Jesus Christ, Heavenly Father, as mortal men, there's nothing, Lord Jesus Christ, that you can produce, Lord. But Heavenly Father, when you come into a man, Lord, you make a man, Lord Jesus Christ, produce something, Lord. Heavenly Father, that's why we always sing to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus. All on earth we long to be like you, Heavenly Father. Yes. We are here, Lord Jesus Christ, with open hearts, Lord, and say, Lord, Heavenly Father, take us just as we are, Lord, and make us, Heavenly Father, according to thy will, Lord Jesus Christ. Master of life, King of kings, Lord, we know and remember according to the teaching of the prophet, Lord, of a young boy, Father, that scratched his father's car, Lord. Heavenly Father, we know that Father, Lord Jesus Christ, was angry, Lord, not knowing what was there, Father God, on the scratch, Lord. And he took the boy and beat the boy, Heavenly Father. But when he read carefully, Lord, on what was on the car, it was, it was there, Heavenly Father, a statement saying, Daddy, I love you. Mm. Then he regretted, why, why have I paid the child? Mm. Heavenly Father, there was a beauty of that scratch, Almighty God. Mm. As we come before you, Lord Jesus Christ, of all our weaknesses, Heavenly Father, knowing there's something that you want to produce out of all yes. those weaknesses, Lord. Heavenly Father, as from today, dear God, we acknowledge all the weaknesses, Father. We present them before you and say, Lord, lose them for your will, Lord that Jesus Christ. So as you use Heavenly Father, most of the old was a stammer, Almighty God, and produce something great, O oh Father. May you do the same thing in our lives, Heavenly Father. Bless the church, Heavenly Father, this afternoon. May you bless each and every individual, Lord, and grant their heart's desire, Lord. May you bless the man of God, Heavenly Father, and restore the vision, Almighty God, that has gone out as he was ministering, Heavenly Father. We pray and commit everything in your hands. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. 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 God bless you. Amen. God bless you richly till we see you on Sunday. Just have a blessed week. We'll keep on using the Sunday school as an outflowing area. We'll just work on a few things to that side to make it more habitable. And then uh, the sisters, if they can help the deacons in terms of taking care of the kids to that side. Amen. God bless you. But deacons will speak to you. Amen. Just give us a song or two till we meet and have a blessed week. Amen. Uzuli patega seleli vangeli. Uzuli patega seleli vangeli. Bazalane. Uzuli Patega, 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 Patega